This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. An Odyssey station. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. Where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour. The mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Class. Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsiris. How are you, Deanne? I am doing fabulous, Mark. Just fabulous. Very good. I'm glad to hear it. And we're excited to be here every Saturday at 1 o'clock on PHT, Talk Radio 1210. If you want to ask us a question about mortgages with the mortgage mom, residential, commercial, real estate, whatever, give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Deanne? My number is 609-605-7153. And we're here just to keep you informed because the media is not talking about real estate and real estate is booming. So what's coming up today? Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Yes. We have our business tips with Asking Dr. A. Yes. We have Mark's funny story. Got one for you. I bet you do. And we also have our mortgage mom topic. Which is what? The milestones of the loan process. This is like off the charts, exciting stuff. Very good. Mark, we also have our questions. First question is, the homes we are interested in are all listed by different realtors. Do I have to contact the realtor that lists the home? Good question. Next question is, what obligation does the listing agent have once she has an offer on a short sale and the seller owner has signed off on it? Hmm. Next question is, I'm 47 years old, never had a credit card, no credit. My father passed away and left his house. How do I buy a home? Yeah, that's a problem. Next question is looking to buy a foreclosed auctioned home as a primary residence. How do I get a loan first so I have the cash? Aren't home loans based on the property? But you got an answer for that one. I do. And Mark, our topic of the day is understanding trends is the key to predicting the next housing shift. Yes. Got a lot of info in that one. But first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. Wow. So you, so you always fail forward. So you got to get in the game. 
If you're not in the game, nothing happens. Because if you don't ask, the answer's no. Exactly. <laughs> so where are we at? So, Mark, we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. For those of you who hope to sell your house this year, a majority are hoping to also buy a new one this year as well. According to Realtor.com, 72% of the sellers this year are also planning to be buyers. Millennials are the most likely to be buying and selling at 47%. Millennials are already selling. Followed by Generation Z at 25%, Generation X at 15%, and then what's left of the baby boomers, 12%. Geographically, 42% of the sellers live in urban areas, and 42% live in the suburbs, and 15% in rural, rural areas. Rural. Rural. And many would-be <laughs> sellers have cited their inability to find a new home as the delaying them from listing. I just had a conversation with somebody I helped list, and that was her whole thing. Where am I going to buy? You're going to buy. It's that. It's still happening. 46% of the sellers said they plan to buy their new home first, then list their current property, which isn't a luxury every seller has. 44% of them plan to buy and sell at the same time. But that number is going to jump up because the other group's going to realize their house is not going to be on the market for too long. Right. And move elsewhere while searching for their next home to buy. As rising home prices continue to impact the market, 49% of the sellers said they plan to list their home at le less than 500000 15% said they're going to sell it for 200000 or less. You know, once you get outside of the urban areas, I mean, you can get houses pretty cheap. However, 50% of the sellers plan to list it for 500000 or more, including 18% plan on listing it above a million. 32% said they plan to ask for more than they think their house is worth. 27% <laughs> plan to ask for a quick close. 24% <laughs> do not plan to pay for repairs. And another 24% will not accept offers below asking. So I guess that took in the whole 100%. <laughs> so when they are looking for their next property, 53% are planning to look at homes under 500000 and that's the toughest market. 17% are looking below 200000 The top feature sellers and buyers looking for right now is space for pets, 26%, followed by a large backyard, an updated kitchen, outdoor living area, quiet location, and a garage all received 24% of the vote. More than half of the buyers plan to stay local, with 70% staying in their current neighborhood. Nearly a quarter are moving due to expanding household and 20, 24% want to build equity and 21% just want more space. More than half of the sellers and buyers are planning to buy between now and next three months, but they do have concerns. 36% reporting that they're worried about managing finances of both selling and buying. That's because they just don't know. 32% concerned about home prices. Another 2% reporting that they're worried about moving why buying and selling and this inflation. So that bout takes in everybody. But a lot of that right there is just a lack of knowledge. You know, if somebody, they all these people would have called you up and have a plan, a lot of those fears are relieved. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's really, you say lack of knowledge. I mean, I had a gentleman so excited to put an offer in on a property and, you know, we sent him over a cost estimate and this and that. And I called him back to see if he had any question. He says, I'm not going to put the offer in. I said, well, why not? And he said, 
he gave me like three reasons. One was that his interest rate was six and a half percent. And I'm like, there's not an interest rate out there at six and a half percent. Like, where did that number come from? He's like, oh, it's on the cost estimate. It's on the cost estimate. I'm like, it's not on the cost estimate. That's your APR. And he right. goes, well, I thought the APR was your interest rate. And no. it just, like, I could go on and on, but people, and that's the thing that's happening. Like, there's not enough communication that's taken place. It's crazy. I know. So. Like, the one I just helped list, uh, you know, she's already, it was on the market for about four days. And uh, and she, it was an investment piece. So I talked to her about, you know, what are you going to do now? Because you're going to have all this capital gains. You better have a plan. Talk to your accountant. Right. Otherwise, she's going to be a lot, of, a lot capital of capital gains. gains yeah. All right. So, speaking, so tell us about the rates. Yep. Talking about information, your 30-year fixed conventional today, 5.25%. Your 15-year at 14, 14, God forbid, 475 your FHA is at 4.875. Your VA is running the same at 4.875. So we're under five with FHA. So they're great rates. Yeah. Until All right. So with that. Next week. Ahead. No, so, just until next until week. Next week. We'll see. So now with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WBHD. All positive all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. So here we're at the end. So, Mark, we are up to your funny story. So, I got one for you. So, Sam, the realtor, walks into his broker's office and he says, Sir, I'll be straight with you. I know the economy isn't that great and this inventory issue makes things tough, but I have over three companies that are after me and I would like to respectfully ask for a raise. I deserve a better split on my commissions. After a few minutes of haggling, the boss finally agreed to give him a 5% raise on his split and Sam happily gets up to leave. And the boss says, by the way, Sam, he goes, uh, which three companies are after you? He goes, the electric company, the water <laughs> company, and the phone company. <laughs> that was Cause, good. Because Sam's not a lead generator. Oh, Ugh. my God. If you, if you have a funny story you'd like to hear, send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501. And now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment with and Kat Sarris from Green Tree Mortgage, and her topic is milestones of the loan process. Yeah, so I, me as I this. mentioned, Mark, it is an exciting topic because as you go through these milestones, you get closer to the keys to your new home. So, you know, a lot of people still feel getting a home loan may seem overwhelming, but when you understand the steps in the process, you'll be able to move through the transaction much easier. So let's look at the steps in the process and beginning with identifying what you and I all always talk about, which is identifying what their needs are. So a good lender or an excellent lender like myself, they're <laughs> going to ask you several questions to under, co- uncover what your needs are before jumping into quoting you what the, the rate is. That's what I love. People call me on the phone. What's today's rate for what? What do you want to know what the rate is for? 
Is it a yeah. conventional? Is it an FHA? What's your credit score? How much you're putting down? How long you're going to stay in the house, right? We could go on and on. But it goes back to your conversation with what's the first thing? What's the most important thing we need to talk about, right? Right. So this will ensure that the loan program is best for you and your needs before we actually quote an interest rate. So each loan program has its benefits. And depending upon how much you're going to bring in for a down payment, what your credit score is, what your debt to income ratio is, we're going to ask you questions to identify the best option. So you should receive a non-binding pre-application cost estimate for different loan scenarios. So let's say you want to put 10% down on a conventional, but you want to see what an FHA loan looks like for three and a half percent. You should have a cost estimate, right? Based on today's market, based on the area that you want to live in, because it's going to have your real estate taxes and an estimate on what the homeowner's insurance is going to be. So you're going to get, like I said, a non-binding cost estimate. Your final pricing is going to be based on your confirmed credit score, the property valuation, and whichever loan program you selected, and whatever the pricing is as of the day we decide to lock in your interest rate. We talk about this over and over again, documentation. Your lender will work with you. You should say, me, the lender, will work with you to take a complete application and ask you for all your income documentation, bank statements, tax returns. You cannot get a pre-approval without this. People are running around today with a piece of paper from one of the top banks. Like, I'm not going to say top bank, but a very well-known bank. And this woman has four disputes on her credit report. When you take those disputes off, Mark, her credit score drops to a 580. So she has a pre-approval from this company. There is no way. It it doesn't matter. Even a pre-qualification. She would never close this loan. She would never get the keys to her house. All right, I'm done that ramp. So it's important to provide all the documentation as quickly and efficiently as possible. And this will help expedite the process to begin with. Your loan estimate, a very important document, um, will send you disclosures. It's different from your original loan estimate because it's going to include all the fees that are associated with your loan, your appraisal fee, your title insurance, things like that. It's called a loan estimate, and it is just that. It's an estimate of your loan costs. I will tell you, our loan estimates are extremely accurate. Tom did a refinance, a very large cash out refinance for a gentleman, and he was $78 off. And that's pretty good, especially on a cash out out refi. Um, You have an intent to proceed. So after reviewing your options and addressing any questions, you're going to make a decision and notify your lender that you are ready to move forward with the loan application. This document is actually called your intent to proceed. Now, your lender, other lenders may charge you an upfront fee to pull your credit score. We do not. The next milestone is going to be your appraisal. Are you on the edge of your chair, Mark? Are you like hanging in there? Yeah, I'm listening. It's exciting stuff. <laughs> I, right? I was actually, I was actually thinking about the uh, estimated closing costs. I, I, I wonder right now how many agents could like walk into a house, pull out a blank estimated closing costs, and be accurate. In there by doing it themselves with their calculator on their phone. 
Well, consider- I remember I missed one by a dollar. Yeah. A dollar. I mean, and at the table, man, I said, a dollar. I had them all <laughs> laughing. I was like, a dollar. And it, <laughs> how much was it? Um, I, the house was a couple hundred thousand. No, how like, much were you off by? A dollar. <laughs> I missed it by a dollar when I wrote the original. <laughs> and I used to do it by hand all the time. Like, if somebody asked me, I could do it on a napkin. <laughs> could you still do it today? Yeah, okay, probably. Good. I'm Some sure. of the fees have changed, but like, yeah, I'm sure out of mind. But a lot of agents, I used to teach that class. Remember, I used to always teach closing yeah. costs yeah. because if you have that in your head, and somebody asks you a question, you can basically figure out what it's going to be. A lot of them have to go into the computer and let it do it for them. Yeah, the agents aren't aren't getting the knowledge on that side anymore. I mean, I used to teach a lot of classes on closing cost estimates and the and. Now they don't care. They just blow up my phone, which is fine, but it just helps them a little bit more if they the more they know, right? The better they are. So Yeah, especially if, if you're in a house and the people are really interested in buying it, and say you're showing them three or four houses. Now you're standing in this house, nobody's there. I used to pull out a sheet and tell them and do it real quick by hand right. and say, This is how much cash you'll need. This will be a month. And it wasn't rocket science, and now they know. Now it's yes or no. Right. Right. And, and the great thing is like with my team, we even do that before they go to the house. So they know, because the last thing you want is to do an estimate and not know how much it's going to be or even what the payment's going to be. And then you fall in love with the house and you realize that you can't really afford it. Yeah. Especially with the taxes. I mean, like, you know, right. You cross the zip code and you go from four grand to 14 grand. You mean across the bridge? No, <laughs> half a mile from me, there. No, our wonderful mayor is reassessing us all back another backdoor tax, but my taxes will more than double if I go a half a mile down the road into Montgomery County. Right. All right. Let me finish our milestones because we're getting to the good part, right? All right. Go ahead. So once you've given your intent to proceed, your lender, we're going to order the appraisal, and the appraisal will give you the value of your home based upon the appraiser's assessment. And then you're going to go into underwriting. Once you've submitted all the documentation and your appraisal is completed, your file will be reviewed by our wonderful underwriters. The underwriter may come back and ask for additional information to answer any questions they have during the underwriter process. But we will notify you of any additional documentation that's needed. And again, it's important to provide this information quickly. Yep. The next one um, is going to be your rate lock. And you can you may lock in your interest rate at many different stages in the loan process. It can be done at the beginning of the process, before the loan goes to underwriting, or once the file comes out of underwriting. But you need to be under contract in order to be able to lock. And we'll go over those options with you. You know, based on what's happening in the market, it may or may not be a good time to lock. If you don't If you don't want to stand the risk of losing what you have right now, then lock it in. And then you go to clear to close. Once your loan has the final approval from the underwriter and all the conditions are cleared, you receive a clear to close. And from this, Mark, they're going to send information that um, will follow to include how to acknowledge your closing disclosure and how to actually close on your loan. Very good. That was a lot of info. It is a lot of information, but... And the key is like this should take anywhere 
from 30 to 45 days from beginning to end, like from the day that they actually call. Because once you go under contract, we have all of that information. And again, we talk about this all the time. It's been redundant. But in this market, you want to make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed because there's competitive offers going in. Big time. So... All right. So what's coming up? We're, we're going out. So what's coming up next? So coming up next is going to be our questions and answers. All right. Very good. So that was a good topic. Thank you. So with that, you're listening to Good News and Real Estate here on 1210 WPHD, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, all positive, all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? So, Mark, we are up to our question and answer segment. Very good. And... Our first question is, the homes we're interested in are all listed by different realtors. Do I have to contact the realtor that lists a home? No. And first of all, you should have an agent because if you don't have an agent with a signed buyer's agency contract with that agent, everybody is representing the seller. So you don't have anybody on your side and your agent should be able to show you all those houses. Now, if you call one of those agents, they're going to try to get you to sign a buyer agency contract with them, even if you don't buy their house. But you want somebody on your side. You hire you hire an agent. And statistically, most buyers hire the first agent they meet. Anybody with any agent with a pulse, which the biggest investment of their lives, and then first person they talk to, they hire usually. And sellers right. are down to two. So it's like, but you want a buyer, you need somebody on your side. So I would hire a real estate agent so I have somebody on my side show, and they can set up the showings. What's the next one? The next question is going to be, what obligation does the listing agent have once she has an offer on a short sale and seller owner has signed off on it? Well, technically in the agreement of sale, there is a time frame that, you know, on a regular sale between two, usually a buyer and a seller, you know, there's a, it's signed, the contract signed, and then there's an acceptance date by this date. And if they don't do something by that date, the contract's void. The problem with short sales are the banks don't care about your time frames. And, you know, not at all. You might say, you know, uh, you want this 30 day. And I had one one time. They, they, I just never heard back from them. And we were waiting, waiting, waiting. We went and bought another house, settled and all. And a guy called me up and said, we're all, we're all done. I said, we already bought a house. It was like, they took up <laughs> six months. I was like, dude, like the, who has that kind of time? Oh my God. Uh, what's the next one? The next question is, I'm 47 years old, never had a credit card, no credit. Mm. My father passed away and left his house. How do I buy a home? Well, if he passed away and left his house, you now own a home, right? If there's a will. Well, he says, and left his home. So, I mean, the first thing that you need to do is to apply for a secured credit card. And the second thing you need to do is to find somebody that has a good trade line. What I mean by that is, let's say, you know, you have a brother, sister, cousin, aunt, or or it could be a good friend. And they have had a credit card for the last two or three years. 
never been late, um, high limit, low balance. They can add you as an authorized user to that, um, to that credit card. And then that trade line will go on your credit. So now you have credit. Yeah. And the problem with this that they're not thinking about, there probably is a mortgage on this property. And the father's leaving the house to him, but he's also leaving him the mortgage, which right. now he has to do. This is the problem with not having credit. Having no credit is worse than bad credit. Sometimes it absolutely because is correct. At least bad credit, you got in the game. You made a couple of mistakes, but you took a swing. Bad credit right. is you never even got up to the plate. Like, get in right. the game. Paying by cash all the time. If anything ever happens, how are you going to borrow money? Unless you're doing from friends or loan sharks. And, <laughs> and that's not going to work out real well. No. What's the next one? All right. The next question is, looking to buy a foreclosed auction home as a primary residence. How do I get a loan first so I have the cash? Aren't home loans based on the property? Well, you can get a loan based on an amount. You know, get pre-approved for two hundred grand or something, and but yeah, I tell you, the other problem here is you're you're going to have a tough time finding foreclosures and auction homes in this market. Yeah, but you cannot get a loan against a house that you don't own, and when you go to an auction, right, you're they want the money right then and there. The majority of the no, time, most of so, the time, they want something down, and then they want. And in a, a share sale, like in uh, 30 days right. or something. But you could get somebody pre-approved on based on their income and everything else so they know how far they could shop. But I'm telling you, this is not the market for looking for short sales and foreclosures. Yeah, you can't play around There's right now. There's not too many. You can't play around right now. All right. So they were good questions as usual. Yeah, they were pretty good questions. So coming up next is going to be our topic of the day, which is understanding trends is key to predicting the next housing shift. Yep. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. So where are we at, Dan? So, Mark, we are up to our topic of the day, and that is understanding trends is key to predicting the next housing shift. Yeah, I read a few articles on this. I, this is a lot of information, but people got to stop looking at the small picture of what's happening like this week and next week and start looking at it at a bigger picture to understand. You know, the, the following 20 years are going to be driven by Single, younger, the real estate market, driven by single, younger females and people of color. That's going to be the biggest group with the in the millennials. We are coming off a tumultuous two years of growth in the housing market. The housing market has been booming. And now we're facing a year of market normalization a little bit, but we still have this inventory issue. So it's true to say the turmoil and the mortgage outlooks are strange bedfellows, but it's true. Interest rates are rising. Affordability is a challenge. All the political conflicts 
everything going on, the doom and gloom, it's not only natural that market players might be skittish over what direction the housing is going, but in the coming months, you're going to read, and now you're already hearing it, the doom and gloomers with a housing bubble right. or a crash. You know, the negative, the news is if it if it bleeds, it leads, you know? And that's that's why knowing the signs of and interpreting what's really going on is invaluable for you personally. So what's critical is that you know what is moving the market. Runaway headlines are predict predicting the doom shouldn't be what dictates your your purchases and that real estate agents what they're doing. After all, the media, the media, you know, it would be remiss a little bit if they weren't apprehensive, like when they see something like rates jump, but. They never get into detail. Everything's a soundbite. Behind those negative headlines is a hot housing market that has contributed to some all-time housing prices across the country. Through rising rates, you get an, an ensuing panic a little bit. Like, it's ridiculous. Right. How high can the prices be sustained when buyer's power power is stretched thin? Like, prices are not coming down. First, it helps to understand why the press headlines and your clients might quickly interpret Today's housing trends is fatal. You know, psychological phenomena where you give more importance to recent events than taking into the big picture is the main culprit. That's why so many people are executing or are predicting like a housing crash. The housing market has only experienced a crash once in 70 years. Seven One time. years? Seven, 70. 70. 70 years. One crash in 70 years. That's a fantastic track record. And that should speak to the resilience of housing. You know, here's the problem. We all remember what happened in 2008, 2009, because it's reached, reach, you know, it's not that long ago. The event is what resonates with people today. You don't think that for a majority of the housing industry, housing has stood the test of economic trials. Here's how that recency worked in the housing, because we experienced a crash in the not so distant past, and it was brutal. That was the worst crash. That that's what a lot of people remember. Two thousand eight, you know. And now we convince ourselves that something like that's going to happen again, and it's not likely. And here's where you can set yourself apart from the negative headlines, knowing where we are standing in terms of the housing industry, and the trends that will prevent an imminent crash that can be determined through data. Recently, mortgage rates have been the primary driver of the negative headlines. You've been hearing it, right? Of course. Like. Soon as it hit five, they, you know, they talked about it was a headline for a week, and then they you don't hear about it no more. No document has ever correlated interest rates. There has no documented ever correlated rising interest rates with a falling house prices. That's an interesting line. So when rates go up, that doesn't necessarily mean prices are going to come down. In reality, mortgage rates have little cor correlation to home prices. The data shows us that rates have had no impact on prices in the last 40 years. Historically, data shows that house prices have continuously gone up irrespective of the interest rates are. And that is because mortgage rates are cyclical. They go up and down. Surprisingly, home prices are not. They continue to rise. Another culprit behind a negative housing headline is a so-called imminent wave of foreclosures that we've been talking about. We brought this up a few times. That didn't happen. And like... You know, we're not in the same scenario we were in back in 2006 with a flood of foreclosures flooding the market that did trigger a dramatic drop in prices. Today's reality is 
totally different. In 21, the record increase in home prices helped homeowners build equity roughly $2.1 trillion in the United States, the most significant annual increase in equity. Data shows home buyers since 1954, that was your, that was your year. <laughs> Don't even try it. For decades, those who did not build equity purchases between 2003 and 2007. That means that in the last 70 years, only for four years, people who had purchased the home lost equity. And that took about six or seven years to recover after that. Which other assets, there's no other market like that stable. The stock market's not like that. Not at all. You know? So all these misconceptions that people believe that equity builds only with those without mortgages, that's not true. You can build equity in your home as long as, even though what you're, especially what's happened in the last couple of years, look at these people that bought houses in Fishtown, you know, five years ago, and now the, the house is almost doubled in price. Yep. You know? So history has taught us that for the better part of the U.S. housing market, most prices keep building. The data shows us that at the same time, and less than 2% of U.S. households are underwater. Now, there's always going to be a certain amount of foreclosure. The, the national foreclosure rate runs 3 to 4% over history. In, in the worst market in history, it was 5.1%. Now, when I ask students that, that question, and when they first get in their license, they say like 25%, right, you say 50%, that, yeah. you know? And I tell them 5.1% in the worst market in history, and they're shocked. So the data point that explains or the resiliency of the housing market, the number of households forming versus the number of homes constructed, that's a problem. Data shows that before 2013, fewer households were forming and more construction was happening. Now we got this problem where the builders are about 5.1 million behind, and they're having a problem catching up because of labor, cost of materials. And so from 2015 to 2021, the average household formation was about 1.5 million, 889,000 homes were built, and they should be over a million a year. So there's no seismic shift happening in housing. There's not going to be a bubble. There will be 7 million new homeowners in the next decade, a nearly 9% increase from the last decade. So it's all good news, like we say. Good news. <laughs> all, all positive, the time. all but, the But <laughs> you know, but the media is they're just brutal. It's gotta be negative, negative, negative. And that's why I truly believe we have such an inventory issue because sellers don't know how good this market is. And you know, and these agents send in postcards and calendars and emails. Nobody's reading all that stuff. Pick up the damn phone, talk That's to somebody. Exactly what I, I said. I got I got an email today. What the hell were they trying to sell me? Oh, uh, a jar opener uh, that you put your name on and send out to your clients. You know, another piece of thing that's going to go in a drawer, and I'm never going to think of that person again. Right. Like a calendar. What do I do with a calendar? I got a Galaxy S20. You know, if these agents would call everybody up and explain what we just told them, how great of a time it is to sell, we'd have more than 3,900 actives, 3,900 actives in Philadelphia out of 670,000 houses. 3,900 are actively for sale as as of today. It's ridiculous, but people are scared. And this inflation thing is bad too. So that was a lot of info. All right. So, Mark, we are up to our segment with Dr. Abelson. 
And our topic of the day is rules to flourish in a hybrid work team. Hi, Dr. Abelson. How are you? I'm doing terrific. How are you guys? We're You're doing great. Good. So we're continuing with this topic. So pick up from where you left off last week. Well, this, this week, what I want to talk about is rule number five, which is you need to demand accountability because a lot of organizations, they actually don't do that. They just have people do things and they hope they get them done. And then when it comes for performance evaluation time, they just give them a lousy performance evaluation. So it's important that, that you hold them accountable on a regular basis. And, and one of the keys to that is a lot of people reward people for effort and interest, but they... But the people, just because they're doing effort interest doesn't mean that they're performing. Right. For, for example, you can have somebody who's always looks busy. They're always walking around the office or they're always communicating with you, telling you all the wonderful things that they're doing. But then when you actually look at it, they're not getting much done. Right. They're more marketing themselves than, than they're actually getting stuff done. And it's important to read through, the, through that. And most people don't. I know. High accountability is a big deal. Like I, when I explain a team to my students... I say, you know, I'm going to hold, I would hold you accountable. You would report to my assistant on how all your calls went in lead generation this week on Thursday, and my assistant will report them on Friday, and it's a weekly accountability. Otherwise, you don't want to find out three months from now that somebody hasn't been keeping up their end, and then, like, you got problems. Right. Exactly. And it's even, if it's, it, it's even harder to keep an eye on it with the hybrid office or the hybrid work team because you don't, you don't see them as much as, as you would in a normal office. Right. So one of the things you need to do is you need to reward people's action and results, not in interest, okay, not effort, but their actual action that they do and the results that they attain from those actions that they take. Yeah, because, and, and sometimes rewards for the S's and C's, uh, just a thank you is more than money. An acknowledgement of their effort is yeah, depending on the personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know. and just respect. I mean, the S's want want respect, and a lot yeah. of times managers don't do that. They just keep on dumping more things on their desk or more tasks for them to do. So it's important to to make sure that you reward action and results, and you need to use some type of technology to keep track of what they're actually supposed to be doing and what they are accomplishing. You know, there's so many different systems out there. There's Slack, there's Trello, there, there, there's others, and and I'm not going to rec recommend one over another. You need, but you need to use one. You know that helps you keep track of what's going on so you can see what progress they're making on a regular basis. You don't even have right. to ask them. You can see what actions they're taking because they need to be reporting it into the system. And it's easy to check to see whether they're actually doing those things because you can always follow up. I follow up on staff. I follow up on, on, on people that I'm interacting with. So it's easy to do. You just have to make sure that you put it as an action item for yourself as the manager. Right. You got to have it in your even, calendar. Right. And even for people like Mark and I with a high D, I mean, that's going to help us stay in our 20%. Because yep. if you go through and write down, you know, well, I checked my emails for an hour and a half. Well, that's not staying in your 20%. Right. So. No. And that's not really taking, uh, you know, action for results. That's exactly. just doing stuff. And that's, that's not what I'm referring to. Okay. No, that's the 80%. All right. so, if people have any questions or would like us to would like us to work with them to help them implement these things, just have them contact us 
at www.abelson.net or just email us at, I'm going to give you another email, uh, succeed at abelson.net. Very good. Nice. All right, thanks, Dr. Abelson. All right, thank you so much. If you have any questions, you can email them to mark at 8029 at comcast.net or give them a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at deannekatsaris at comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. And a special thanks to all of our listeners and our sponsors for keeping us on the air. Tuning in every Saturday at 1 o'clock here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We hope you enjoy the show. Give us a call. And you can listen to this show and past shows at our website, goodnewsinrealestate.com and at WPJ, WPHD's website. So with that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All, all positive, positive all, all the time. Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.